Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by finding us and listening in. We pray this sermon stirs up your love for Jesus and grows you in your faith. But before we begin, we ask that you not let this podcast, or any podcast for that matter, replace the local church in your life. You need to be a member of a local congregation and under the shepherding of that flock's pastor. So please become part of a local church if you aren't currently. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.mountzionchula.org. Enjoy our podcast. Open your Bibles to Exodus 20. We have been in the book of Exodus um, all year. We are in the Ten Commandments. We're finishing out the Ten Commandments this week and next week. And so today we come to the Ninth Commandment in verse 16. So, it's 1941, and you're a Christian living in Germany. You're part of the resistance against the Nazis. You're helping protect Jews by hiding them in your attic. And you get a knock at the door. It's a Nazi officer. The Nazi officers ask you, are there any Jews in your residence? And you know you've got some hidden in your attic. So what do you say? That's often the question leveled at Christians about the Ninth Commandment of the, the situation of you either, it's a lose-lose situation, either you tell the truth and Jews get killed or you lie and you break the Ninth Commandment. Which one do you do? And, and so it's, it's situations like that that make you ask the question, is it really a sin to lie all the time? It begs that question. When it comes to this commandment, how do you keep it in every single situation? Why is it so wrong to lie? And are there situations where deceiving someone is not breaking this commandment? We're going to deal with some of those things today. Um, and so the ninth commandment, verse 16, um, Exodus 20, verse 16, let's read it. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Society is built on truth. Society is built on truth. Our day believes that truth is relative. That's what our culture believes. That truth is different for you and different for me. That it's not the same. That you need to live your truth. Truth is not the same thing as experience, though. Truth is not the same thing as opinion. Truth is not the same thing as preference. Truth is reality that does not change person to person. That's what truth is. Experience and preference and, and opinions differ person to person. So if I say the word hamburger, every one of you pictures a piece of meat between two buns, right? That's what you picture because that's what a hamburger is. The truth of hamburger is it is a piece of meat between two buns. But what you want on that hamburger differs person to person. Every one of us has a different preference for what goes on their hamburger. I prefer pickle, onion, and, and ketchup on my hamburger. I don't like mustard. I don't like cheese on my burger. I don't like tomato. I don't like um, mayonnaise. None of that. But different ones of you like those different things. Truth is not that. That is preference. That is opinion. That is, that is experience. Society has to have truth to exist. If there is no established truth, it cannot function. Live your truth, the, 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 
slogan of our day, it's a horrible idea to promote. Because what if my truth involves harming other people? Am I supposed to live that truth? What if your truth and my truth contradict? We go to war against each other. That's what happens. There has to be established truth and clear falsehood. If there isn't, we are left to madness. That's what happens. Now, truth is what is, and truth is what happened. Not, not interpretations of it, what, what is. And we live within that. We live within that reality. That's why you get so crazy and so agitated when you're lied to or when you suspect you're being lied to. That's why that happens to us. When I was in college, um, my best friend and I both liked the same girl, and she knew it. And, um, and I, um, my, my best friend ended up dating her, um, but, but they kept it a secret from me for a little bit because they knew it would hurt me if they found out. But I was suspicious of it. I was suspicious of it. I shared it with my roommate, different friend. I told him, hey, I, I think they're dating, and I think they're not telling me. And, um, and my roommate made this suggestion, we should follow them and find out. And so me and my roommate and this other friend were all three hanging out one day, and, and I was texting the girl at the time, and she wasn't really responding, and I'm like, something's fishy here. And my friend that was supposedly dating her said he was going to go eat lunch at the di or eat dinner at the dining hall. So he left, and my friend suggested, let's follow him, and let's find out if he's going to meet her. And so cue Mission Impossible music. We take off out the door a couple minutes behind him. We're hiding behind bushes. We're hiding behind walls. It's, it's epic. And um, we have seen no sight of the girl at this moment, just him. We can see him walking toward the dining hall. We get down there, and we get to the door, and I look at my roommate, and I say, what are we going to do if they're both in there? And he said, man, we're just going to pretend that we're here getting dinner. What do you think we're going to do? So we entered, and there they were, eating together. And they saw us. And I was like, oh boy, abort mission, abort mission. So we went up really quick and bought food and took off out of, out of that place. If you think you're being lied to, you turn crazy. You do. Because the world functions on an understanding of reality. So the ninth commandment here, it is not. It is not do not lie. That's not what the commandment says. It says you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Lying is included in it. it is, this is a form of lying, but the commandment is don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Remember, the Ten Commandments are expansive. They, they include a lot of things within them. That, that's what they do. Um, so they, they, the, the Ten Commandments, the commandment itself puts forth, puts forth the worst way that you could break this. And so that's why when we talked about murder, it's also a commandment against unrighteous anger. When we talked about adultery, it's also a commandment against lust because it covers all the different ways at which this can be broken. And so when you get to the ninth commandment, you have to ask what all is included in bearing false witness. So let's work through some of them. Um, first, it's what, what it says, giving false testimony against anyone. In a general sense, we can say lying is giving false testimony. This is what the commandment forbids. It's in the context of court, um, and actually you'll see this fleshed out a lot in Exodus through Deuteronomy. It's, it's, it's in the context of court. Um, the worst way you could lie about someone is to testify falsely about them in court in such a way that results in them being condemned by the law. But outside of court, that's a good definition for what lying is, testifying wrongly about somebody. So that brings up some questions, though, doesn't it? What if I lie about myself? 
What if I lie about myself? I'm not testifying against them. I'm testifying against myself to somebody else. Well, you're doing often that to harm someone else or to build up your own pride. And listen to what Proverbs 6 says. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And then he lists those seven. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. First of all, let's note that on that list, pride is the number one thing God hates. The second is a lying tongue. And just in case you missed it, lying is on there twice because it's number six as well. So God takes lying pretty seriously. We don't often take it seriously. We think lying is just kind of a little sin that we'll give ourselves a pass on. God takes it very seriously. Now, what if I, what, what if my lie doesn't have to do anything with, with me or with somebody else? Well, I, I can think of very few scenarios where that is the case. What are you going to lie about it if you're not lying about yourself or somebody else? You know, the sky is green. Look at it. Which, you know the sky's not green, but, but even if you do that, generally, you're lying about God's work and therefore reality itself. Lies always harm other people or puff yourself up. That's why they're evil. We tell kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that, that's, that's, that's not true. None of us truly believe that. Because the truth is, if you hit me with a rock, I can put some neosporin and some peroxide on that and it'll heal up. But if you speak an evil word against me, that'll stick with me for years. It will. And it will you as well. Lies hurt people. Words hurt people. And lying is one of the many ways words do hurt us. So testifying falsely about someone. Next, we could say that um, breaking this commandment is twisting the words or events of a story. You know, we all do this, don't we? We tell a story where, you know, maybe something bad happened to us, and we'll, we'll twist the story just a little bit to make it sound like we were completely the hero or the victim in the story, and the other person was completely in the wrong. That's what we do. Um, that, that's what I do. You do it as well. Um, we have a way of making ourselves look good in it and making the other person look bad. Um, even if you told the story exactly how it happened, you'll emphasize certain things to make you look good and make them look bad. Or you'll use a very calm and collected demeanor when you're talking about yourself, what you said. And you'll like use this really angry and nefarious tone when you're voicing the other person's quotes, right? That, that's what we do. That's why when I'm counseling somebody and I'm hearing two sides of a story, um, I, I always have to hear both sides because um, I, I usually understand this is somewhere in the middle. Like, uh, you know, this person's giving me one set of details that aren't right. This person's giving me the other set of details. They're both making their self look like the hero. It's probably somewhere in the middle, and i got to figure that out. When you twist a story to make yourself look good and the other person looking bad, you're breaking this commandment. Another way of doing it is cover-ups. Cover-ups. When you do something bad and seek to cover it up. No one has to teach you to do this. Like, your dog does this. We, we do this. When I was in uh, first grade, um, my, uh, my teacher, I don't know why I did this, but we were having a coloring day, and, and I took a crayon. I have no idea what possessed me to do this, but I took a crayon. I put it under my, my shoe in the, in the you know, arch of my shoe, and I just walked around the classroom making this huge line on the floor. And a like, huge line went all the way across the room, came back, and then I turned it and left it at the chair of this girl and went and sat down. 
And the teacher, you know, eventually saw the line and she said, who put that line there? And I've always been horribly scared of getting in trouble, still am to this day. And I just start, you know, pounding my chest. Oh, no, she's going to find out. And they asked the girl, did you do that? And she said, no, I didn't do that. And this teacher had a specific policy that if you wanted to go to the restroom, there's a hall pass at the door. Just get up and go if the hall pass is there. So I just got up and grabbed the hall pass and took off out the door because she said she was going to find out who did this by checking our shoes. So I had to cover it up. So I go to the bathroom, and I wet some toilet paper, and I'm, like, scraping the bottom of my shoe trying to get it off. I did that when I was seven. We don't have to teach people to cover up their, 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 the things that they do wrong. We do it. Covering it up and not confessing it. Not confessing it. Ultimately, not confessing your sins is breaking this commandment. Not confessing it to God because he knows lying, you're lying to God every single day when you don't confess your sins and not confessing to the people that need to know. Not telling you, I'm not telling you to stand up at the end of church today and let it all out. Tell us everything you've ever done wrong. No, but if you had an affair on your spouse, you need to confess that to them. If you stole from work two years ago, you need to confess that to your work. But, but this will destroy me, you say. You've already destroyed yourself. And it will eventually be found out. You will not conceal it forever. If you confess, there might be a chance for reconciliation and healing. But if, you find, if, somebody, if they find out from somebody else, you won't be able to get ahead of that. And you'll never have the, the ability to, to reconcile. I mentioned this story last week, but it applies to this commandment as well. Acts chapter 5 Ananias and Sapphira um, see that Barnabas has sold a property and given all the money to the church, and Barnabas is held up as this good figure in the early church, and so they want that kind of prestige themselves. So they go sell some property that they have. They bring the money to the apostles, but they hold back some of it. So, so they tell the apostles, hey, um, we sold this property for $10,000. Here it is. But they actually sold it for 15000 so they keep 5000 for themselves. And Peter, like, knows the second they come, you're lying to me. And God strikes them dead. He strikes them dead for telling one lie. Lying is not a small sin. God killed Ananias and Sapphira for telling one lie. That's how serious this is. Another way to break this commandment is gossip. Gossip. Probably a million definitions of what gossip is. It's different from slander, which we're going to deal with in a minute. Um, gossip could be defined simply as passing along information that may or may not be true to other people that is not yours to share that could negatively impact the reputation of another person. Let me say that again. Gossip is passing along information that may or may not be true to other people that is not yours to share that could negatively impact the reputation of another person. Gossip involves bad news. Bad news. It's not necessarily gossip to share good news with a couple exceptions. If you find out your friend is pregnant and they haven't told people yet, don't, don't go telling people. Um, but, but nobody gets upset, you know, when you start saying, hey, my, my, my cousin got a raise or my cousin got promoted or whatever. That's gossip is, hey, that 15-year-old got pregnant. That, that's gossip. And, and they're really not pregnant, but you heard something and you're sharing it. Gossip is sharing bad news that could negatively impact people's reputation. And we love to do this, don't we? It's just so juicy. Proverbs 18.8 
The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Gossiping is like eating a really good meal, it says. We love to be the bearer of bad news for some reason. I don't know why. I guess it's our sin nature. We love to share information and hear people gasp. It gives us a sense of importance that we knew something they didn't know. But often gossip's like a game of telephone, and the story keeps getting crazier and crazier every time it's shared. Next time you hear gossip, shut it down. Have the courage to do that. Because remember, if someone will gossip to you, they'll gossip about you as well. And the next time you're tempted to share gossip, you need to ask the question, would the person be happy that I shared this with someone? Because it's very hard to restore a bad reputation. It's very hard to get your name back in good light. If you ever meet with me for spiritual care, you can have assurance. I don't go around telling everybody about your struggle. That's confidential. Gossip is also when you share your complaints about someone with someone else, but don't go talk to the person you're complaining about. So when you share your complaints about your spouse with your mom, but don't talk to your spouse about it. Or when you share your complaints about your boss with your coworkers, but don't tell your boss. Or when you share your complaints about a member of this church with another member of this church, but don't talk about it to that person. Or worse, one that happens sometimes is, Pastor, I saw this person out in public doing so-and-so sinful activity. You need to talk to them. And I, I just say when that happens, no, you need to confront them about that. I didn't see that. It's going to be extremely awkward if I confront that person. Hey, uh, I, somebody told me that they saw you do it. I don't want to, I'm not trying to accuse you of anything, but someone told me. No, I didn't see it. This is not how scripture commands you to handle conflict. Matthew 18, 15, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him. There's no caveat that says have somebody else do it. If your brother sins, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, you've gained your brother. That's what scripture says. How many of your interpersonal conflicts would be resolved if you just go talk to the person rather than talking about them to somebody else? You need to practice this. You don't go to others with your complaints, and you don't go to them with other people's complaints. It's not someone else's responsibility to confront someone about your complaint. It's yours. Resolution cannot happen if, I, if somebody else goes to them with your complaint because you're not there. You're not there. And then slander. Slander is another way this is broken. Slander is different from gossip, though gossip could serve to slander someone. Slander is deliberately sharing false information about someone. It's lying to intentionally harm someone's reputation. There's a pastor Adrian and I um, are acquainted with who is pastor of a pretty big church, and um, he started there uh, about 2017. And um, he unfortunately had to come in and make a lot of changes or the church was going to go under. Like, it was, a, it was a dire situation. If they didn't make these changes, like, like their church is going to die. Like, if they didn't do something, they wouldn't have a church in a few years. The data showed it. I'm talking like selling parts of the property that was very sentimental to people. I'm talking like laying off staff. Um, like, like so many things he didn't want to do, but there was no way around it. And lies began to circulate about him. Lies began to circulate. During the changes, he actually had to have brain surgery. He actually still has spasms today from the brain condition that he developed. And one of the lies that spread about him during all of this change was he didn't actually need brain surgery. It was just a, 
ploy to get people to support him. You know, the, the gash in the back of his head would tell differently, but, but that's what people started saying. That is slander. Slander is easier than ever today because of the Internet. I can post something on Facebook today that is slanderous about someone, and 2,000 people see it. And if it gets shares, thousands more see it. I read recently that when bad news is shared about a person on Twitter, on average, it gets 4,000 shares. But if it turns out to be false and there's a retraction put out, it only gets an average of 300 shares. That means most people still believe it. That's how easy it is to slander someone worldwide today. Another way is refusing to speak up. Leviticus 5.1, if anyone sins and then he hears a public adjuration to testify, and though he is a witness, whether he has seen or come to know the matter, yet does not speak, he shall bear his iniquity. You can lie and never open your mouth. When you refuse to speak up about injustice or evil or wrongdoing, when you know the truth and don't voice it to the detriment of other people. Why do we do that? Simple. It's comfortable. It's comfortable to not speak up about injustice. If you speak up for someone being wronged, you identify with the person being wronged, and thus you're now associated with the wrong, and you're going to get wronged as well. When I was in middle school, a bully was picking on some girls at lunch, calling them names that you, you can't repeat in church, and I stood up for them to the guy, and the bully was bigger by me than about 100 pounds. Um, we'll just put it that way. So um, as we were leaving lunch and headed to class, I was walking through the hall, and I suddenly felt arms push me in the back, and I hit the floor and slid across the floor like a bowling ball and crashed into a chair. That, that's what happens when you speak up rather than remain silent. Are you willing to suffer for it? So what about those scenarios that I started with? What if you are those German Christians and you're hiding Jews in your attic, and you're asked, are there Jews in your, in your residence? Is it breaking the ninth commandment to lie? I don't think so, because what is lying? It's deceiving someone for a harmful way. There are times when deceiving someone is, is for someone's good. If I'm protecting the life of Jews and the Holocaust, it's not evil deception. If my family's in danger and my son is scared and I tell him, don't worry, buddy, everything's going to be okay. I'm not doing that because I want to harm him. I'm doing that because he doesn't have the emotional capacity to endure the pain. There's biblical examples of this. We can remember earlier in the book of Exodus, what happened? Um, the uh, Pharaoh is killing all the kids in Israel, and what happens? The midwives um, are told to slaughter the children when they're born, and they tell them, we don't get there in time, sorry. We, they do, but we don't get there in time. We can't do it. They're, they're, they're fast women. They, they, they push those babies right out of there, and we don't get there in time. Or think ahead to the story of Rahab. What does Rahab do? Rahab hides Jewish prophets, Jewish spies on her roof, and when the people of Jericho come and say, are there spies here, she says no. And what happens? She is the only person redeemed in the entire city of Jericho. She's redeemed for doing that. There are times when for righteousness' sake we're not in sin to deceive. Notice the command. It's against your neighbor. The, the heart of, the, of commandments 5 through 10 is about loving your neighbor. That's the goal. That's the goal. The command is love your neighbor as yourself. We ultimately ask the question, do you want to be lied to? You don't. Nobody does. We want the truth. So the way we love our neighbor as ourselves 
the way we treat others the way we want to be treated is to do two things. First, speak the truth to our neighbors. Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Uh, especially in the church we speak the truth. Because the, that, that's what Ephesians 4 is talking about, the church. We are members of each other in the church. We're a body of Christ. We're one family united to each other by faith. We are members. So if I lie to you, I'm lying to all of you. If one of you lies to another one of you, you're lying to all of us. We're all tied together as members of the same body. But overall, we speak the truth to our neighbor. We don't live deceptively because if we do, it will form your reputation. It doesn't take much for someone to, to, to see you as deceptive. One time I was asked to preach at a church by one of my family members um, who was um, involved in that church. He was, he was planning a youth service. He asked if I'd come preach it, and so I came and preached it. And I mentioned to another family member that I was preaching at this family member's church, and um, that family member that I was talking to told me, you need to preach a sermon on lying because that family, was, that family member at that church was known to be a deceiver. It doesn't take many lies before you start seeing someone as a deceiver. You speak the truth in love. That's what it says. We love to speak the truth. We rarely do it in love. We speak it in love. It's, it's unloving to lie to someone, and it's unloving to speak the truth to them wrongly. We speak the truth in love. Secondly, we protect the name and reputation of our neighbor. Proverbs 22.1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. If... I lost everything, or if you lost everything, people would be surrounding you and, and your family to take care of you during that time. But if I lost my reputation, if you lost your reputation, it's near impossible to get that back. Because those same people that would be helping you if you lost everything materially would be scared to go around you if you lost your reputation. So when falsehoods about people spread, when falsehoods about people spread, you fight like a soldier with a sword, and you cut down and protect the names of other people. This is loving. I hope if I'm being lied about through slander or gossip, you'll stand up for me and speak the truth, and I'll do the same for you. Wouldn't you want other people to do this? We don't cover up sin and evil, but we do shut down gossip and slander. This is what love is. We know that because we see it in the gospel. The fact is, history is a war of truth. It's a war of truth. There are some things God cannot do. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. He cannot do things against his nature. Since he is the essence of truth, he cannot lie. Yet Satan is the father of lies. John 8, 44 and 45. You're of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when Jesus came, what happened? Well, Revelation 1, 5 calls him the faithful witness passage I read at the beginning of this service. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Jesus came as the one bearing truth to defeat the father of lies. Jesus came into the world and was lied about and slandered and gossiped about and he was lied about to the point that they killed him but he never testified falsely. It, we've all lied, though, haven't we? 
It's the sin everybody knows they've committed. If commandment six, do not murder, is the one nobody thinks they've broken, the commandment nine is the one everybody knows they've broken. We've all broken this. We deserve our reputation to be wrecked, and it has been, but Jesus came to restore it. He came to restore it. Jesus came so that sin and death can ultimately not have their way with you. He came to put away falsehood and testify to the truth. That's what he did. He was truthful to the point of death. He stood up for those being oppressed and was killed by the bullies. He confronted sinners personally. He was completely and wholly honest. And though all of our reputations are marred by sin, Jesus came to restore us to God and give us right standing again. So let's get really honest this morning. Are you ignoring the need of a Savior because you think you're pretty good? You're not as bad as some people. Just remember, God hates seven things, and lying is on the list twice. And everyone admits they've lied at some point. So you are on the list twice, at least, of the things God hates in Proverbs 6. But he offers you redemption. He offers you salvation. He offers you new life so that your lying doesn't have to define you. You're actually lying if you say you have no need of a Savior. You're like I was once when I was a kid. I was the kid who never got in trouble at school and never got grounded by his parents. You couldn't find a better kid than me, or so I thought. And if, the, if everyone would just be like me, my school would be a better place. I was lying to myself that I didn't need a Savior, but those kids in detention hall do. Would you finally soften your heart today and come to Jesus? Would you finally turn from your false self-sufficiency you're lying to yourself with? Nobody lies to you more than you do. Would you repent of your sins and turn to Christ? Has he been drawing you for years and you continually ignore him, saying, I'm good, I'm, I'm good? Friend, this could be the last chance he gives you before he, he takes your life. Don't ignore him. Are you saved but living in some kind of lie? Would you turn to him today and confess? I'd love to walk with you through that confession. Let's talk. Let's talk. Maybe you need to confess to God, maybe to another person, but confession is good for the soul. Would you finally confess? If the Lord's pricking your heart about that today, I'm not going to ask you to come up and confess in front of the whole church. We'll talk privately. You can come to my office. I'll come to your house. We can talk. Confession is good for you. Is the Holy Spirit working in you this morning to turn you from falsehood to truth? If he is, would you finally turn to him today? Let's pray. Father, I praise you for the truth. I praise you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That truth is the very essence of who he is, and, and he is the way to find life. And that's found through walking in the truth. God, I pray for us. I pray that we would not fill our lives with lies, but with the truth. Because when we fill our lives with lies, we align with the devil, the father of lies. But when we align with the truth, we, uh, we, we, we center our lives on you, the God of truth. I pray for any here who don't know that God, who don't know Jesus, that you would draw them to yourself now. And Lord, I pray for any here who are living in lies or in a lifestyle of lying that they would repent and turn their life to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If the Holy Spirit